You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the latest episode of Locked On Pac-12, where we talk everything Conference of Champions. There's no better place to get all your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked On Pac-12 podcast, hosted by your girl, Cindy Robinson. Follow the Locked On Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're locked on the 2020 Pac-12 football champs, the Oregon Ducks. We're discussing the QB competition, the defensive challenges, and the Ducks' tough competition ahead with this schedule. I'm your host, Cindy Robinson, joined by amazing co-host Brian Brown of Locked on Utes. How's it going, Brian? Never better than when I'm getting to hang out with my PIC over here on the Pac-12 podcast. There we go. There we go. I mean, so you and I, this is our first, um, I guess, breakdown of these teams. I've been kind of breaking a few down with Michael, but you're joining along with this series now. Are you ready to talk Oregon Ducks? Quack, quack. I'm here for some <laughs> ducktails. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, well, let's take it off with the offense. Oregon is obviously one of those teams that are kind of at the top when it comes to favorites to win the Pac-12 North. I know Washington's a little bit ahead of them, but um, they're the defending champs. So, you know, it, it makes sense. But they do have a few issues they need to address, starting with that quarterback situation. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that they really need to to face off with. It's it's interesting that Tyler Shuck is getting publicity, I think is a possible first round draft pick now that he's with Texas Tech. But that leads me to think that they have some confidence in who's going to be the quarterback you know, next year. It looks like it's more than likely going to be Anthony Brown, the graduate transfer from Boston College. Uh, but there are some freshmen in the mix as well. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I think they're in good hands with offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead. Uh, that's a guy that has a lot of experience with tailoring offenses to what what they need and and. You know, I also feel like that this team has been built around a couple uh, factors in terms of having a strong defense, having a strong offensive line. And so that's going to allow them to develop that quarterback situation a little bit as well. Yeah. So the great thing about that offensive line is they're returning a lot of experienced players, making them dominant for sure, especially against the run game. Um, I mean, with the run game, sorry. Um what do you think makes this offense as dynamic as it should be? Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's just there's a lot of talent on the offense still. You know, at, at wide receiver, you have Micah Pittman, younger brother of Michael Pitt- Pittman, who was a dominant player at USC. Uh, you've got Jalen Red, Johnny Johnson, uh, CJ Verdell. There's just a litany of guys there that can can grab the rock, take the rock carry the rock, whatever it is that you need them to do. And, and again, going back to my thoughts on Joe Moorhead, he's going to put those guys in a position to where they can succeed. And I think with, especially with college football, more and more, we're starting to recognize that teams that have great offensive line really have great offenses, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio state. 
they've all been offensively successful despite having to introduce new quarterbacks, uh, new skill position players from year to year as, as they're always seeming to pump them out to the NFL. And so I think that's where Oregon's at right now in their situation is that they've got some talent in there that they can get the ball to. They've got that depth on the offensive line. They've got some more time under their belt. They had to replace four or five starters in 2020. Those guys got some reps now. And so they're going to have, you know, that depth moving forward. So offensively, Oregon Duck fans really only have to worry about that quarterback situation and if it gets handled and, I guess, to see if that person, whoever is chosen, can actually lead that offense. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, really going to be the the question they're going to have to answer really quickly, right? Like, like that's one that you can't really uh, dilly-dally, for lack of a better term. <laughs> uh, you kind of have to get to it right now and, and figure out what's going on. And, and I think they probably did a pretty good job of that uh, as they went into spring ball. But uh, at the same time, it, it's just you've got to get that decided. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so before we move on to the defense, we have to talk about Brian's favorite, favorite snack, Built Bars. It's necessary. Um, if you didn't know, Built Bars have nine delicious flavors that Brian raves about all the time. And you you notice I always say Brian because I still have yet to try them. I can't wait for the day to tell you guys that I've tried the Built Bars, but I'm still going to rave about them because I trust Brian's um I'll say taste in snacks. And honestly, all the flavors sound delicious, except for coconut. I'm not a huge coconut fan, but if you are, they have that for you. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. That sounds like, you know, that's where I would probably be. Salted caramel seems more of my speed. Um, not to mention you guys, it's super healthy. They offer, 17 to 18 grams of protein, uh, low in calories, low in sugar, and low in net carbs. So it's a great snack if you're trying to watch your figure, trying to work out more often. It's a great after-workout snack. Um, even pre-workout snack, you know, you should eat before you work out, people. Just letting you know. And you can go to BillBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now moving forward onto this Ducks defense. Um, it's one of those that is kind of weird because there were quite a few names that were able to, I'll say, make a name for themselves ahead of the NFL draft out of this defense. But at the same time, this defense struggled a little bit last year. It, it did. And I think a lot of that was just due to the amount of inexperience that they were introducing to it. You know, the linebacker position is one that was heavily in, in inexperienced starters. Uh, newcomer Noah Sewell started right off the bat, a true freshman. I think that's a big deal. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, despite being the most man childish football player on the planet and 
I, I had the, I guess you could say privilege and or fear of standing next to him on the football field. And, and I'm not a small guy by any stretch. I'm about six, four, a little over 300 <coughs> little. Um, <laughs> and he made me feel small and, and he is just an absolute beast of an athlete, but you know, it was a younger defense. I think for the most part, replacing a lot of guys on the back end, uh, a lot of uh, a few opt outs and, and things like that just kind of left the defense a little bit thinner, I think, than they would have liked on a regular year. And and some of that, I think, is inexperience. Some of it may be adjusting the scheme um, and some of it may just be that we really don't know yet, like what what they have defensively. And so they're going to have to figure that out on you know again this is an interesting ducks team because there's a lot of talent there there's a lot of potential but at the same time they've got to start filling up uh some actual evidence of things rather than just showcasing this uh elite talent and elite recruiting that they've had the last few years right okay so they are in the hands of coach tim deruder i want to know what you know about him uh, DeRuiter is, I mean, there's a lot of background with him. Uh, Tim DeRuiter came from, I believe USC was his last stop, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he's been around a lot, you know, it started as an uh, assistant at air force back in the early, early nineties, uh, has been a head coach at Fresno back in the early 2010s. He was there from 2012 to 2016. Um, excuse me, not USC, but he was at California. Cal, yeah. 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 Um, there's so many coaches out there now that I, I tend to get a little mixed up every now it's and okay. then. It's okay. You know, we we going to make a little mistake here and there, but it's okay. We can. That's right. We're going to go back and fix it. Look, no one's perfect. We got it right. It's Cal. It's all good. That This is just teaching me that I need to make sure that I have the notes for the test. You know, <laughs> as long as they're going to let me use open notes, I might as well do it. Um, but he's a guy that knows what he's doing. Uh, he developed a ton of defensive stars while he was at Cal. You know, Evan Weaver was a defensive All-American under him, had a bazillion tackles that felt like they'd done a good job of developing players and improving the defense while he was there. And he'll step into Oregon. And I, I would assume that Coach Cristobal is going to give him full reins on that defense. And, you know, they they are replacing uh, a defensive coordinator there that had a little bit of – I would say a lot of success in Andy Avalos, um, but they're going to have to figure out a lot of this kind of stuff as, as well with him stepping into the position and adjust to his new schemes. I would think that that's going to pay dividends to them for the same reason that bringing in Joe Moorhead the year previous did for the offense, bringing in an experienced defensive coordinator who can adjust his scheme based on the talent will probably pay dividends as well. Yeah. Look. Okay. So looking at Oregon schedule, which we'll get into in just a little bit, but um, you'll, it's very evident that the defense is going to have to make some adjustments and actually see some improvement from what they did last year to compete and actually, I'll say to compete and actually have a chance to win the Pac-12 North or the whole Pac-12 again. Yeah, and I think, you know, 2020 was such a weird year. The fact that they were able to slip in there and not only win the North, but also win the Pac-12 championship was, you know, super impressive for them. But at the same time, it just, it, it never felt like it was really, I don't want to say earned because they earned it, obviously, but I don't think it was, it, it never really felt like it was real, right? Last year kind of felt like it was just this 
preseason type thing and and kudos to them for having gotten through it and kudos to every Pac-12 team for having got through it but this is where things really this is where your feet are to the fire more or less you've got uh, Kayvon Thibodeau on record saying that he wants to be a Heisman candidate as a defensive player which like you know it's yeah it's a long shot but hey go ahead yeah, you know you're talk your stuff my man like <laughs> like if you've got that kind of swag about you and that kind of confidence in your game and, and look anybody who's watched him play knows that he's got a lot of ability um but i do like that there's some attitude to it and, and i think this is just if you let me ask you this if you had to put together a theme for oregon what would be your theme for the ducks theme because mm-hmm. mine would be like uh like time to fly right like okay. that's kind of a goofy duck like pun to throw in there but like it's time to show out and show that okay. you're not just this pack 12 contender that you're also trying to bust onto the national scene ah got you got you, know you. okay I mean? okay it's, like, it's really time for y'all to fly and, and, and establish yourself because i think even with justin herbert uh in 2019 they had elite level talent there and they still weren't able to really just showcase that they are a playoff contender showcase that they're an elite level uh, program and showcase that they are living up to the amount of recruiting talent they've been bringing in okay well before we jump into this road to um national contention let's talk about bet online because if you have any faith in the ducks this season, you're definitely going to want to bet on them this year. And betonline.ag is exactly where you should go and do it. It's the fastest and easy, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Um, baseball season is in full swing right now. WNBA season is in full swing right now. NBA playoffs are starting. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs for the MLB, NBA, NHL, your UFC, MMA action. Um, Get involved, place your bets. You can do that through your mobile device, your laptop, and you can just stay up to date on everything. You can check out all the sporting news, sign up bonuses and contest information. So if you want to make a little change on the side, you trust that someone's for sure going to win. You can, you know, it's a surefire bet or maybe a long shot. You know, those are the ones that pay off. Um, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code is locked on, you guys, locked on. So remember, Bet Online is your online sports book experts. All right, now on to this schedule. The Oregon Ducks do not have it easy at all, especially at the start of their season with these non-conference games. Obviously, the one that's on the eye of, obviously, the one that everyone has their eye on is the Ohio State Buckeyes game. It is in Columbus. So right now, thoughts and prayers to you, Oregon Ducks fans. Yeah, it's a it's a rough way to start things out. Like I think it's the kind of game where as a coach, you have to be positive and, and tell your guys like, hey, this is what we're in it for. This is what we're looking, you know, to do. This is where we test ourselves. As a fan, you gotta think to yourself, like, man, not a lot of people go out there and come out of the horseshoe with a W. So it'll be a fascinating contest. We've seen him in the past against teams like Auburn hang in there and have good contests. I think it's a really tough early test though for a still pretty young duck squad. So they're opening up with Fresno State. 
which from what I'm reading is not going to be a walk in the park either. Um, one of those teams that are looking to be contenders in the Mountain West. So right out the gate, you're starting with a tough uh, battle. And honestly, I think it will be important for Oregon to get that win so that they're going into the game against Ohio with confidence. Um, you can't really go into a game against Ohio State lacking any confidence, honestly. It's not going to do them any justice. It's going to be beneficial for them to have that one win under the belt. And then following Ohio State, they're going to face Stony Brook, which is one of those teams that maybe may not be like a premier team that you're looking for. But if they catch them, say, coming off of a possible loss against Ohio State, you never know what could happen. And that quickly you can spiral and be 0-3 at the start of the season. Am I anticipating them to lose to Stony Brook? No, but I'm just saying possibilities here. Yeah, and, and I think you're right on. I think those two early games with Fresno and Ohio State are, are likely the most difficult. That Fresno team, like you said, great returning quarterback. Uh, they've picked up a couple Pat 12 transfers. Ty Jones, especially from Washington, the wide receiver. Uh, running back from Utah, Jordan Wilmore. But I think that's you know very critical for them to have a good uh, showing in those out-of-conference games because once it gets into the conference, there's really no walks in the park for the Ducks. They've got a tough November schedule where they're uh, at Washington or playing at home at Washington State, then at Utah, and then back home for whatever we're calling uh, that game, Oregon versus Oregon State, the, the artist formerly known as the Civil War. So, you know, there's really not a lot of breaks. Their, their October is rough as well, too, at UCLA, home for Colorado, and then at Washington it's just it's it's a long stretch for them, especially on the back end. You want to make sure you get through your out of conference in a in a strong fashion. I will say they probably dodged a bullet by not having to face ASU because out of the South, USC. Oh, they're not facing USC either, actually. So they they dodged two bullets: USC and ASU, making their schedule probably um, one of the easier ones out of the out of the teams that are considered. The contenders at the Pac-12. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do. I'm not counting UCLA out in any way because they have a lot more talent than what people think and what they've shown in the past three years. Yeah, they, they have. And, and we've talked about it already this episode, but it's up front where you really start to make improvements. And they've done a great job with the offensive line. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson going into, uh, you know, a, a, Technically, his third year with Chip Kelly, that'll be a big, uh, important part for him um, in terms of his growth. And, and they have plenty of talent there that they've been recruiting. The, the weakness on UCLA has always been the defensive side of the ball. But I think they've made uh, some moves and, and gone through the transfer portal to try and improve that. Uh, it's just UCLA has always been the team that we've looked at and said, hey, there's talent there. Why can't they get it done on the field? And it seems like it's bigger than just the football program. We'll see if Chip Kelly's got enough juice to where he can get that fixed. And, and that'll be a tough contest. You know, I think Colorado's a team that's shown some improvement and done a lot of work in the transfer portal. Utah in November is never an easy out just because it's, if nothing else, we're going to try and freeze you out. But, but that Utah team is tough and they're built to, to, to you know, really beat up on you defensively. 
and and so that'll be a matchup issue as well, which we can break down you know, as we get closer to those games. But it's just you. There's no more easy outs in the Pac-12, really. Like other than you get Arizona in the very beginning, and we just don't know what Arizona is. So technically, you consider that to be the easy one. Ducks have had a hard time with Stanford in the past, even. So you just like. It's, it's tough because uh, on one hand, you want to say like, yeah, Oregon should roll through this. They should be able to get wins in all these games. They're missing out on USC and ASU, who are likely the two favorites in the South. But, you know, the, the conference is just built this way, especially this year, where there's just a lot of tough competition. Uh, yeah, I agree. So I want to ask you, out of all these games, what would you think – which one would you think is either, is the most important – for Oregon to win? So it's, it, that's an interesting question because I think really the most important game would be Ohio State if you're th- thinking in terms of the national perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I think within the conference. Uh, Washington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the rivalry game, you know, and that's the one where you're trying to win the North. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's really going to be your tipping point because if you've done well up to that point and you beat Washington – you pretty much have the road home, you know, where it's all within your control. And something I forgot to like point out when we were talking about the competition against Ohio State is what that game entails for the Pac-12 conference overall. You mentioned earlier that it's time for Oregon Ducks to fly and show that they can be national contenders. But I also think that, and this is maybe a little unfair to them to put only on one team, but I do think this is also their time to show that Pac-12 as a overall conference can compete with those other conferences in the, you know, college football playoffs. Yeah, totally. And it's just, they've got to, they've got to do it at some point right there. There's no more excuses if you're going to, uh, pretend like you're a part of that and the Pac-12 needs a team to showcase. Really, it's either USC or Oregon at this point. And, you know, Washington has tried to throw their hat in the ring, but they really weren't able to stick. Uh, so that's kind of where it's down to. And it's maybe not a fair uh, situation for Oregon to have to carry the conference, so to speak, nationally, but it is what it is. And honestly, like, if you're going there and you're a high regard, highly regarded talent, that's exactly what you want. Okay, so interesting to see how Oregon fares out this season. It's going to start off hot right from the beginning. And so we'll definitely keep you guys updated on everything going on in uh, the Pacific Northwest with the Oregon Ducks. We're going to continue this series. Tomorrow I'll be talking with Michael Luke about UCLA, and then I'll have a special guest on Friday to discuss USC and we'll start it all over again next week with the, with some other teams. But make sure you guys continue to listen to Locked On Pac-12 for all your Pac-12 news. Also check out Locked On Today. You can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Follow Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Utes on the Odyssey app as well. And then you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Cindy Robinson and Locked On Pac-12 on Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12. And then you can follow Brian at... At Brown Bear SLC. You know it. (laughs) 
Thank you all for listening. And until next time, make sure you guys stay locked on Pac-12 on the Locked On Network.